This is Get a Real Job, the podcast devoted to people who choose risk over safe bets, who pursue their passion against all odds and are doing what they want, how they want, despite people and sometimes the voices in their own heads telling them they're nuts. When the field that I wanted to work in didn't exist, I created it. The only thing you have to decide is how hard you want to work. I really never went into the design of the restaurant of not succeeding. One way or another, I was going to succeed. I'm your host, Dan Bova, editorial director of entrepreneur.com. Thanks for listening. And now, get a real job. Today's guest hosts a much more successful podcast than this one. So I'm very happy he's decided to slum it here with Entrepreneur this afternoon. Ralph Sutton is the host of the SDR show and the overlord of the Gas Digital Network, which produces 22 shows and has over 4 million monthly subscribers. If you've ever dreamed of starting your own podcast from scratch and building a media empire, Ralph is the man you want to talk to. Welcome the very funny and sometimes filthy Ralph Sutton. I await the onslaught of unsolicited emails of people asking to bring their podcast to my network. Thank you so much, Dan. <laughs> you got it. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, so for people who are not uh, uh, intimately aware of, of the Gas Digital Network, can you give us a brief two or three hour history of how you got sure. to this point? I, I'll give you a brief history. I think it's better to start pre-gas. Does that make sense? <laughs> I was born, uh, no. So easily the best way, to, the, the, the cliff noted version is I was doing radio. I had a nationally syndicated rock radio show. It was on close to a hundred stations. I was living an Id idyllic rock and roll dude life, you know, interviewing Ozzy and Guns N' Roses and blah, 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 hosting events and everything. And then over the course of a few years, Radio started to matter less and less and less. And it became very evident to me because if anyone that's ever been backstage at a concert, I don't mean to say that in a, in a shitty way, but usually behind the scenes, there's what they call radio row, like the row of people that are interviewing the band as they come off or get on stage. And the closer you are to the main stage, the more important you are, obviously. Right. right. So for years, it was the local radio station and then the tour bus radio show because we were on a hundred big deal. We talk about your show. It's going to do well, blah, blah, blah. And then over the course of the years, I started noticing, oh, we're moving further and further down the line. <laughs> and there was a year where we were literally the last people. We still had the same stations, but, but in front of us was, you know, MTV.com or VH1 right. or some YouTuber or some, you know, Instagram or whatever the hell. Right. I was like, oh, radio really doesn't matter. And it was fascinating to me because I, I got a real world explanation of it. About a year prior to that realization, my co-host of the SDR show, he asked me to do a podcast with him. We, I was hosting this thing called Shiprock. He was the comic on Shiprock. We were friendly. And he asked me to be to do a podcast with him. And I said, very douchebaggy, um, podcasts are for people that can't do radio. I'm doing radio. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I start a podcast, right? <laughs> right, right and right. a year goes by and I, st I have that experience a few months later. Shiprock is generally in February and this was the host. I hosted a thing in April and I started reading things about all these different podcasts and how they were getting more and more popular. And I was like, you know what? The next Shiprock, which was a year later, I said, hey, you still want to do a podcast together? And he said, absolutely. So we started a podcast together. And that's how SDR started, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. That was the pre-gas digital 
podcast that I did for about a year before we started the network. Now, I, I talked to you a couple of years ago now at this point, and you uh, you had some pretty great pointers for, um, and you know, uh, for getting your podcast through the noise. And at the time, I think the stat was there's over 700,000 podcasts, which I think is probably quadrupled since yeah, last sure. week. Yeah. as we spoke and also um, since we started this podcast there's also another million yeah yeah exactly exactly so uh as someone who uh so so talk about so you've got this podcast and uh you know from the article when i talked to you it was a lot of just you just got to do this thing you've got to be uh you know do it every day or whatever the schedule is and you got to be promoting the shit out of it every chance you get um, to sort of uh, gain some ground with it. So, uh, and and you were just saying, oh, great, now everyone's going to pitch their podcast to me. So, what do you what do you look for now? As this is a good podcast, this could be on my network. So, for us, and look, every network is different. You know, every network's methodologies, their their principles, how they do a network is different. When we started, which is now five and a half, six years ago. Nobody was doing what we were doing, which was, it's still to this day, the newest 20 episodes are free with commercials. And then if you pay, you get them a week early, you get them commercial free, you get them in HD video. Now that's sort of the norm in mm. one way, shape or form, but nobody was doing that six years ago. We, we created that paradigm, so to speak. Uh, and now it's, it's pretty much what everyone's doing. But I look at podcasts in a couple of different forms for Gas Digital. I'm not actively seeking new shows right now. I'd rather, we have 22 shows. The bulk of our listenership comes in from the top five shows. Mm -hmm. I would like to see the other 17 shows to be doing as well as the top five or get rid of them or replace them, one or the other, you know? Right. But generally for us, either it's a podcast that we developed organically through people we know. So there's one we're working on right now. We announced it uh, recently. I've been friends with the guitarist from Ozzy's band forever, uh, Zach Wild. He doesn't have a podcast. He did my show. We started bullshitting, me, him, and his wife. And now he's going to start a podcast in January. That happened very organically. Right. That's the most interesting way for me to get a podcast going. Right, right, right. The next one would be where we think, oh, this would be a good idea. Let's go after this guy. Let's try and bring them on the network. Maybe they don't have a podcast. Maybe they do. And we try to bring them in. Mm. And that's happened a few times as well. And then the last way, which is the smallest way that it's ever happened, is a podcast hits us up. Right. And we're like, oh, that might work. Because generally, I like 90% of our podcasts are, are in New York. We can mm. offer as much as we can if you're in New York because we have beautiful studios. Not this if you're watching the video. I'm in my apartment. But we have great studios in New York City. Two of them with green screens and anything you could possibly think of that you'd want for audio video. It's part of what we offer, a producer, cutting clips, all that shit. We can't really do that for you if you're in Iowa. So right. it doesn't help as much. So it's just got to hit a lot of metrics for it to make sense for us. What I tell everybody, get yourself making enough noise that we can't avoid listening to you. We can't avoid mm -hmm. um, working with you because like, there's a show right now that we, we may be bringing on the network. They're renting our studios out. And they've been getting so much cross traffic with our network it almost seems like it's just a logical next step that they may come on the network. Right, right. Got it. So how well, let has me say it... this, Dan, Dan, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I would say this. For 90% of podcasts, if you're a self-starter and you, want, you like doing shit on your own, you probably don't need a network. I think most people look at a network 
as a way to saying, oh, I only have a thousand listeners right now. I want to get a 50,000. Let me sign with a network. That's really not what a network is for. A network is to take some things off your hands. Mm. We will cross promote you, but really the beauty about a podcast is you can do it from your house and you can right. build a huge fucking empire by just doing it on your own. And that I think should be most people's goal, not to get on a network, but to do it yourself and build a name for yourself. So when you, when you, uh, so you start the pod, you start doing the podcast, you know, just cause you see, Hey, this, this could be an opportunity for something. When do you start to get the idea that, Oh, this is actually something bigger than I thought it was going to be. And how do you, are you learning as you go, as you develop a digital network? And as you talked about, you know, with paywalls and things like that, are you just sort of going by your gut? How are you making yeah, those well, decisions? The, the joke that I've said a million times, if, you, if you're if you watching it, this closet right here that I'm opening yeah. is filled with about $10,000 worth of failed experiments that I thought <laughs> okay. would be, oh, this is what we should use. We need this. We need that. And it wouldn't work, you know? So yes, we learned along the way. When I started, which is funny, I joined the podcasting subreddit on, uh, on Reddit, right? I think it was called Podcasts. And at the time, there was like 7,000 members. I think there's 2 million now, right? Right. Which is crazy. It's been five years, six years, 2 million now, right? I didn't know what an RSS feed was. I didn't, it was far more complicated now uh, then than it is now. You could just download an app and get a podcast up and running in 30 seconds, right? Right. And there are even apps like iTunes now has paywalls. So you can do it through iTunes. You don't even need uh, what we had to do, which was we, we tried to launch an app five times and each time it failed miserably. We don't have an app anymore because we just wasted I'm not even saying how much, but a shit ton of money <laughs> thinking that we, oh, we need an app, um, but whatever. So every step of the way from start to today has been trial and error of me being slightly OCD, sitting at my computer and figuring out how to do things and then teaching the staff. The way the, the, the network came out was also organic in that I was, as I said, I had a syndicated radio show. None of my, none of my stations were like New York City or LA or Chicago. We were on the smaller stations in the outskirts of every major city. So you put a hundred of those stations together and we had a quarter of a million people listening every weekend, but none of them were major stations. They were the stations you'd hear on your way in or out of a major city. So the idea was let's get four or five like kind shows and then we can sell it as to an to a advertiser instead of, I think at the time when we launched, we had 10,000 listeners. So now instead of having 2,000 or 2,500 listeners per show, we could say, hey, we got 10,000 listeners and maybe sell an ad or two. That mm -hmm. was the, the principle behind it. And all these other shows that I knew, they didn't have a studio and they were doing it at the house. They were doing it with shitty equipment. I had a beautiful home studio because of my radio show. So I did both for the first two years. I was still doing my radio show. It wasn't until we started making actual money that I was like, oh, this is something I can let the radio show go now. Like I right. was keeping it going. I was keeping it alive. It was, it was basically a hobby that made me a few dollars by the end of it. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's great. Um, so how do you uh, juggle being the host of a show and also, uh, I don't know what your official title of the Gas Digital Lord Network is. Lord and Savior. I think it's uh, Lord and Savior. Of the <laughs> Lord That's and Savior. I, I, how, I do like you, uh, how do you juggle uh, both of those things? Uh, is it do, do, is there a, a line down the middle of your brain? Like now I'm a host, now I'm a business guy, or is it all mushed together? Well, the good news, so 
for for me personally, I have I do two different shows. I, SDR is twice a week, right? And that's every Monday. Sorry, I have the hiccups every Wednesday and every Saturday. My other show, which shows you what kind of businessman I am, or at least when I look at my my network, is a health and wellness show called the Good Sugar Podcast, which I do with the founder of a very big company here in New York that I helped build called Juice Press. They have 90 locations. It's a raw organic vegan company. I'm not any of those things, but I was <laughs> part of that net, part of that company, right? So he needed to, he wanted to start a podcast. I'm doing it with him. It didn't feel right to me on the network. It's not a podcast for Gas Digital. So my own second podcast is not on my network. Right, Because okay. it just doesn't make sense. It's a health and wellness show on the same network as sex, drugs, and rock and roll and skanks and all these, like, this doesn't make sense. So I'm not putting my own show on my network because I know it's wrong. So I have a very strong mm. delineation between me, the podcast host, and me, the owner. So that helps me a lot, I feel. And my staff, excuse me, I only have my producer for my show. So most of the staff doesn't have to deal with me as a host, only my producer. Mm. And her and I have a very, I've known her before the network. So I have a good rapport with her. And we have one day a week where we focus on everything SDR and make sure that that week and the following week is all laid out right, whatever yep. we're doing. And that's the time that she is focused on my show and nothing else. The rest of the time I'm at the network, I just ran home from the studio to come to this. I am 100% about every other show on the network but mine. And I sometimes okay. feel that my show gets treated like shit. Because I'd rather the other shows feel happy than me. <laughs> right. I don't need the ego that I'm being treated with gold, you know, kid gloves or whatever. That that's funny. That's like if you talk to anyone who grew up with a, a doctor as a parent, they always say, "I got the worst treatment because my parents saw all this like crazy shit happen to other people," and they're like, "Ah, you'll be fine." Yeah, I, I really try and go out of my way to look at everything on the network as a, if I was a host on the network and not as the owner of the network, I think that we're w very fair, maybe even overly fair to the podcast hosts mm. in terms of the cut they get in terms of how they're treated. Because I, I always say like, it's host first fan seconds, me last. Okay. <laughs> um, well, you should throw yourself a bone once in a while. Come on. Well, man. you know, I'm lucky is that the network makes money. You know, I, I know this sounds so shitty when I say this, but I, so I apologize. I've, you know, invested in my life. I made money in my life. So I don't, I'm not going to live and die by the next paycheck of gas digital. So I want to make sure that everybody else is as happy as possible. Well, you sound like a horrible boss and I, I feel bad for anyone on your network. We're um, taking our whole staff to Jamaica for, uh, for the holidays. That's what we're doing. We're taking really? 20, 20 people to Jamaica for a week for, instead of doing a Christmas party, we're taking all of our producers and like engineers and stuff. I think it's 21 or 22 people. We're all going to Jamaica for a week for like a, a fun little weekend with the staff. Week wow. The staff. That's, yeah. that's pretty awesome. That's uh, I, we're not doing that here. Uh, just, just for the record. But um, so what do you see? Uh, you know, you, you've seen a lot change in, in the podcast universe since you started it. Mm -hmm. Where do you think it's all going? Is it just going to keep ballooning? Is it going to be 10 million podcasts by the time we stop talking? The thing that I am really worried about, and I would say that there is, it is guaranteed in my mind that this is going to happen, is that the FCC or something like that will start getting involved with podcasts. More coming up from our guests, 
But first, a word from our sponsor. Build a team that will build your business. With Upwork, you can find top developers, designers, project managers, and more who can start today so your business can succeed tomorrow. Hire at home or in 180 countries around the world to find the right talent for whatever your business needs. Upwork, the world's work marketplace. Learn more at www.upwork.com. And we're back. Mm. Right now, it is the wild blue yonder. You can do and say pretty much whatever you want with almost no negative ramifications. And I don't mean just like hate speech. What I mean is you can play music. You can uh, take clips from movies. You could do whatever right. you want. You could curse all you like. It, it don't, No one gives a shit, right? Right. And it's because up until the last year or so, podcasting was a drop in the bucket in media in terms of how much influence they had. That is slowly being not the case anymore. Mm. So I do believe there will be a governing force that takes over at some point and regulates podcasts. And that's scary to me. You know, yeah. where all of a sudden it scrapes through every time anyone's talked on a show. It's like, oh, he made a joke here. Oh, he used the song here. Oh, we're going to, mm-hmm. that's That show's got to come down. That episode's got to come down. And that scares me. I do believe that's going to happen. So are you preparing for that? Are you making sure you're using music you can play? We try to never use any music, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of our show, we play some music, but I cut it off at like five seconds so that uh, we don't. But this is why we own all... We, you know, Our subscribers are not on uh, iTunes. That we, we own our own platforms, right? Mm. So I still though don't know if that's going to be um, shielding you enough because there is a public aspect to it. Yeah. I, you know, iTunes, you can't... You know, it's another company. We are all beholden to these major companies, iTunes, Amazon, Google. If they all collectively decide these are the rules you have to follow, it's going to screw everybody. And I don't think it's not going to happen. I think in some shape, way, shape, or form, they will be starting to have some sort of control on podcasting. It's bizarre to me. And thankfully, how long it's lasted that nobody cares. And this year, you could see it happen with iTunes taking a newly found interest in it so that they have subscriptions on iTunes. You can subscribe to a podcast for money. They never had that before. Um, iTunes never, Apple never made any money from podcasting. It was amazing that they kept it up for so long. Google would not even use the word podcast because it came from Apple. And then last year they embraced it. So these are all little, you know, Jenga pieces or, you know, Tetris pieces fitting in to show me that, this is going to happen eventually. Right, right. So what do you uh what do you, what do you want for your network? Like uh what do you what are you kind of envisioning? Um obviously you're not looking to make it a thousand show network. No. What what do you want from those those 22 shows or 30 shows that are your core? My goal really besides raising the listenership across the board and raising our subscribers across the board. We also produced two number one um comedy records, right? We put out comedy records from Comedians on the podcast both hit number one on iTunes. And I think one hit number one and one hit number five on Billboard. So that was a great Which, which ones were those? Uh, Louis Gomez and Dave Smith. They both put out comedy records and they both did really well for the company. I would like to start getting into uh, more of that, of producing re- of comedy records for either up-and-coming comics or established comics. But then also a big one for me is to do um, not just off-the-cuff podcasts. I would like us to produce maybe a scripted show, maybe mm. a scripted podcast, 
some more content that exists exclusively on gas digital only. Cause I look at us not so much as a podcast network. I want us to compete with the Netflix of the world, right? You know, with the paramount pluses and whatever else is out there now, because that's what we are. We deal with some of the funniest, most creative, most interesting people on the planet on gas digital. So to have that pool of talent to pull from and create uh, a scripted comedy show or a sketch show, a dating show, whatever it is that exists exclusively on gas. That's my goal for 2022 to have a couple of those come out and then plan another um, comedy record or two. So how big, how big is the, uh, is, is like the staff, like people who work for gas digital. Are we including hosts or not including hosts? Not, not including the shows, but the people behind the scenes. Probably 30 people. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 30 people. That's an ad sales team art production, you know, editing, producers, engineers, all together, probably about 30 people. And so how do you, uh, so the Gas Digital Network's uh, content is uh, interesting. Uh, it's... <laughs> I, I can always tell when, I, when I'm dating a girl, right? I can always tell when she's listened to an episode of the SDR show because her whole attitude changes. <laughs> So it's uh, it gets a little blue uh, here yeah. and there. Uh, yeah. It's 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 quite funny, but a, a little on the raunchy side, I guess. Is Some of it, you know, like I, by the way, not to cut you off, I apologize, Dan, but um, with SDR, I very much, I, you know, one of everybody's uh, heroes was, was Howard Stern, right? And, right. And it's also funny, I always say how pervasive he is, because if I told you I want to be a chef, people don't say like, oh, like Jamie Oliver. They just say, oh, chef, I want to be a, a, a movie producer. They don't say, oh, like Quentin Tarantino. But if you say I'm going to do like a slightly raunchy radio show, they yeah. say, oh, like Howard Stern, right? So right. that's always what happens. But I try to have really in-depth interviews and really interesting stories with mainstream people and then also do ridiculous things. Right, I, right. They, nobody should be defined by one thing. I like right. the idea that I, we all have different aspects to our personality. So SDR, we had a brilliant interview with Mark Cuban. We had a great interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson. You know, like people that you would not expect to be on the show. And then we do silly, ridiculous, raunchy games every once in a while, too, because I am a, a single dude. What are you going to do, right? <laughs> but on the network, we also have uh, political shows. We have uh, MMA shows. We have, you know, dating shows. It's not just ridiculous shows. Just the two that are the two of the most popular shows on the network, mine and Legion of Skanks, are a little ridiculous. You know, yeah. but <laughs> there are others that Wait, are not. Le Legion of Skanks is ridiculous. It's hard to believe, right? It's hard to believe. With a title like that, it's hard to believe it's ridiculous. <laughs> but there's something to be said of, I like the idea of a network where I would never tell anybody who they can or can't book on their show mm -hmm. or what they can or can't say on their show. I brought you on my network because I believe in you as a person and I believe in your show. I get emails all the time. You should One time I got an email, you should cancel Ralph Sutton because he did this. And they don't know that they're emailing the owner who's me. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to get right on that. You know, what, what do you want me to tell you? Yeah. <laughs> um, do you, uh, I mean, as you said, it's the wild, wild west. Um, so that, that kind of regulation hasn't hit yet. Um, do you, have you had moments where you're like, Oh, maybe that was too much. Well, it's funny is that, um, we were creating this app, right. And um, I think now YouTube does this, but we couldn't get it to work where, the idea was on any episode of any show you're listening to, you could choose a clip and share it, mm -hmm. right? That was, I thought that, that was my idea five years ago. I just thought it was a brilliant idea. 
You could listen, you're listening to a podcast or watching the video. You can say in, out, and share it. I thought it'd be a great way to incite and incentivize people. Look at this clip. And we didn't put that in our app, and it, the app that came out that failed, for the reason of a lot of the comics were worried, oh, they're just going to highlight the worst shit that I've said and make right. me look like a terrible person. Right. Even right. though the full episode exists, they feel like, the, the, at least at the full episode, there's context. You yeah, know? yeah, right. So right. we did not put that in. And now YouTube has it, which is hilarious because uh, now you could do it anyway, right? But, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's things like, like with my show, so I have never done any drugs in my life, right? And it's called Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. About a year in, I made a joke saying, hey, if we ever get to a million listeners, uh, a million listens rather, I will do a drug on the air, right? Why not? I've never done one. And now it turned into me trying a drug on the air once a year for five years straight. Tried them all once, hated them all, would never do them again. But for the show, it's ridiculous and funny. My mom watches my show. <laughs> and the last time we did one, I did whatever drug I did, my mom shares my stuff automatically. Oh, and then wow. she starts getting all this, like, why would you share a video of your son <laughs> doing drugs? What's wrong with you? My mom got so mad at me, you know? And so even my co-host Jay, because his daughter's 17 now, there's certain things he doesn't want to do on camera. Yes. Because he doesn't want, even though he's done far worse years ago. Yeah. But now that she's of age, he just doesn't want to do it. And I get it, you know? So um, I think we all, you know, like I'm 50, going to be 52 soon. So there's things that now... I look at that I would do when I was in my thirties and now I'm like, yeah. oh, come on, I don't need to deal with this. So do you, do you see like, okay, maybe uh, you'll, you'll take more of a back seat and being in front of the mac microphone. I mean, I look, I've been doing in one way, shape or form talking on a mic since I'm 20, you know, so it's 32 years of doing this. So yes, if, if uh, we get bought out for a couple of hundred million dollars and the caveat is Ralph needs to shut up, I would do it gladly. You know? <laughs> so it is all depends on, you know, what the aspect of it is. I I'm fine with at this point stepping down, you know, I, mm -hmm. I've done, I've done like, it's funny. We, we put on a comedy festival this past week, like two weeks ago called skank fest gas is one of the producers, but the heavy lifting is done with, by this other group of people, but we're involved, you know, so we're a part of it. And I was walking around with a, a, a college friend of mine that I've not seen in years. There's 2000 people there. People are signing, asking me for autographs, taking pictures, we have tons of comedians there everywhere. Like people are so thankful. And I've, especially with my health and wellness podcast, been trying more and more to live in the moment and appreciate what you have instead of thinking about what's next. Yeah. And as we were walking around and he, he goes, Jesus Christ, what is going on here? Because he didn't know this aspect of my life, you know? Uh -huh. So I really feel like at this point I've done, even though all of it may not have been super financially successful like yeah. the radio show made me barely enough to survive for years but the fact that i got to interview ozzy the fact that i got drunk with lemmy from motorhead you know like wow. i did yeah. things that other people would be like how the fuck did you do that you know right and so i feel that i've done so much of course you should always strive for more like i said that in our interview about how to start a podcast you should never be happy with your listenership you yeah. know everyone i remember speaking to a guy who had a hundred thousand listeners when i had five thousand and I was like, dude, you should be thrilled. And he goes, I don't know. Joe Rogan gets 20 million. So why should I be happy? Yeah. And it's true. You know, you should always want more. But there also is a time where you need to take uh, a moment to think about how in any capacity, like, look, I got all my arms, my legs, 
somewhat mental capacity, depending on who you talk to, <laughs> you know, a little bit of money in the bank, healthy, yeah. appreciate what you have and don't always have a FOMO for other people that don't know shit about you. So yeah, I, I would be fine with stepping down woo, if, if, uh, if it comes to it. Um, so, so for those people, um, who are just beginning their podcast journey, uh, or, uh, maybe they've started it, but, it's, uh, you know, in the very, very, uh, early stages of it, um, do you want to, you want to give anyone a, a pep talk here? Uh, well, you know, sure. a lot of, you know, myself included, you listen to even your last week's episode and you're like, Oh God, that was terrible. Yeah. Um, how, how do you push through that? How do you get better? Well, first of all, everybody in the beginning hates the way they sound. You know, that's number one, right? You have to understand that nobody listens to their, unless you're like a super sycophantic wackadoo. Uh -huh. like, oh man, I'm great. You know, that yeah, right. doesn't really happen. Nobody's ever happy initially. Right. But the best advice I give everybody is a, once you figure out which podcast, which, sorry, which chart you're going to be on, are you in comedy? Are you in music? Are you start listening to the top five shows? See what they're doing right. See what you think you might be able to either bring your own unique idea to, or, oh, I don't like this, or I think I could do that better. And start shaping ideas in your head because those top five or 10 podcasts are doing something right. You know, yeah. you got to look at, look at the top dogs and figure out why are they doing well when I'm not. That's number one. Number two, I don't do this anymore, but I did this for years. Listen to your whole show. If you can't make it through your own show, nobody's making it through your own <laughs> show, right? So once you feel comfortable listening to it and it doesn't make you sick, then yeah. you're on the right track, you right. know? <laughs> then the other factor, you know, yes, we say this, like, I don't know, 2 million, 3 million podcasts. Who the fuck knows exactly how many? But I do know 90% of them have less than 1,000 listeners. Mm. So if you think about that, Let's say there's 2 million podcasts. Um, there's what? 300 million YouTube channels. There's a billion Facebook or Instagram people. So if you look at it as only, there's, look at it instead of, oh my God, there's 2 million. Say, oh my God, there's only 2 million podcasts. Right. Versus trying to become an Instagram influencer where there's a billion people. Right. The, the, the barrier is actually way better. Yeah. So yeah. that should be exciting to you. And then that's your goal. Get to 1,001 listeners. And now you're in the top 10% of all podcasts. That's amazing. You should be fucking thrilled. And that's an attainable goal. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Um, and do you, do you see uh, in, in your world, in, in the comedy world, are there any trends that you see that you like or that are uh, alarming to you? Um, what are, are people trying to be something that they're not? I, I think, an important thing. I'm just going to keep talking and not let you answer <laughs> the questions that I'm saying. But uh, what I'm getting at is, uh, you're an authentic person. Like your 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 um, your sense of humor comes across, and that's just who you are. Do you see people doing what you said earlier, which is like, oh, I should be like Joe Rogan, and now they're like a Joe Rogan light? I mean, I see that a lot, and I think those people are always setting themselves up for disaster. You know, like yeah. if you're trying to be. Podcasting is a very unique platform because I feel that listeners really feel a connection. Something about the auditory environment. Mm. That's why the ROI, not to get technical, return on investment with uh, sponsors is much higher on a podcast than any other platform because the connection between host and listener is very intimate when it's just auditory. I don't know why that is. 
there's probably some sort of psychological reason to it. And I don't know what that is, but people are not stupid. They will feel inauthenticity. Mm. They will understand it. It's so much better to have a slow build based on who you are. Right. Then a quick rise based on who you think you want to be. And then it becoming obvious that you're full of shit, you know? And I think that it's far better to do that far better. I do feel in the comedy space, even though I'm not a comic and it's funny, I had this debate just yesterday, what defines a comedian? Because my co-host, who's one of the funniest comics on the planet, Big J Okerson, he said this, which strikes home. Like for him, he laughed more from Howard Stern than any other comic in his life. Right. Uh huh. But by all accounts, Howard Stern's not a comedian. Right. So what defines a comedian? That that's a question. I, I don't know the answer to that. Right. He's not a stand-up for sure, but I think he's a comedian. You know, yeah, he's definitely yeah. funny. You know, so um, but I do feel, look, the pendulum in the last 10 years has been swinging further and further towards conservatism and to uh what you can't say and how you cannot be addressed and how you have to talk to people. I feel it's slowly swinging back. I start mm. seeing things now, like even, you know, the, the, uh, the quintessential is like SNL where they, they poke fun of how politically correct people have to be. Right. You know? Right. And you see that even on, on TikTok Now you're starting, I starting to see things that would be deemed super offensive two, three years ago, people are doing. So maybe the pendulum is swinging back. And I feel that it's such a hard, it, it's such a weird thing is I don't know the right answer to it. I always feel if it's not coming from a place of hate, then you should be allowed to, allowed to do whatever you want. But then there's, I could, I could argue this and talk about this for days on end. Cause I don't know the right answer. Yeah. I just know when I get yelled at for, or getting mad at for saying something that I really was just being, making a stupid joke. Right. It's weird that it would be different if it was like deeply embedded in my beliefs. Right. You know, right. Like, right. That's a very different thing than just an offhanded joke. And I would like to think most people follow that guideline. It's the, unsilent minority that screws up for the silent majority. Well, and I, I think, you know, going to your point earlier about the the clip that gets taken out of the context of the whole conversation, but even more so when it's uh, written, you know, so you don't hear the way the person said it or right. that they were kind of laughing as they said it or making whatever face, it completely gets taken out of context. And there's this idea that, Comedians now are truth sayers and they are saying, you know, they're deeply held beliefs as opposed to what you're talking about, which is sometimes you just make a stupid joke and you're just yeah. fucking around. And it's also funny how, you know, I am somewhat in very, you know, someone involved or very, you know, embedded in the comedic space of New York, right? And a little bit in LA just because of the network. And we do deal with a lot of the quote unquote bigger names in, in comedy. But the truth is, you take two steps away from it, most people don't give a shit. Like it means so much to to the people in that space. Yeah. But like even my own brother who knows my network, he doesn't know any of these fucking people are. He doesn't give <laughs> doesn't care at all about these things. So it really makes me laugh and he he couldn't be any closer. You know, like he's literally one step removed but doesn't give a shit. And I think most people don't give a shit. And right. when they when you're getting outrage online, it's from a very finite community where right. most people don't give a shit. Right, right, right. Well, not giving a shit, I think, is a great uh, note to end on here. Um, <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> but, Ralph, uh, always uh, great catching up with you. Uh, 
maybe in another four years, we'll talk again. Um, yeah, I think, by the way, I have to owe you a thank you, by the way, Dan, which is, and I can't say for sure, but it did seem very symbiotic about a month after the piece you did on me about how to start a podcast came out. I got uh, blue checked on Instagram. I don't oh, know really? if they were one, two, but it did, you know, so I do think that might've had something to do with it. Well, they do call me the Kingmaker, so well, uh, I appreciate it. So I, so, I get so you're to welcome. say thank you to the man himself, yeah, <laughs> for making me uh, get that little blue check. That is great for meeting ladies. I tell you that. Like, Ooh, blue check. Hello. Uh, that's great. Well, uh, well, I'm glad I could help Ralph because you clearly need a lot of help uh, in your in your empire building. But uh, really great uh, catching up and hearing everything you're up to and. Maybe we'll chat again before three or four years. How about that? Hey, I'm available, man. I make myself available. I, by the way, that's one last piece of advice. Don't turn down anything. When you're, if someone asks you to be on a show, just do it. Like I know yeah. some, one of my friends complains, ah, they don't really have, I don't, I don't know how many listeners you have, but I, I, I don't need to know. But someone sent them a, a stat and they only had like, let's say 500 listeners. And he goes, why would I do that? I said, why wouldn't you do it? Right. Why right. would you say no to anybody? Like you're trying to build your brand get out there yeah. until the point where you're like so busy oh my god i can't do anything why would you say no to anything i don't understand yeah. it uh, that's great advice great talking to you always have great advice and uh en enjoy your work you're a funny man thank you sir thanks for having me you got it all right we will talk again soon i hope that's our episode folks hope you enjoyed it Get a Real Job comes out every Tuesday. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you harvest your favorite podcasts. Leave us a review. Give us a share. Don't make me beg people. Go to entrepreneur.com for new episodes of this and to listen to our other great podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.